the efforts of our Sunday school singers this morning, and also thanks to all of those who are helping teach the Sunday school and, and assist in that teaching. Uh, it's truly a blessing for our congregation, and it fits well with our sermon today as we talk about the effects of God's word throughout our lives in this world. So, happy Reformation Day. Did you wake up this morning all excited that it was Reformation Day? As Vicar stated, we're continuing our sermon series based on Martin Luther's words as he stood before the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V, defending his teachings when he said, Here I stand. Last week we talked about the fact that one of the pillars of the Reformation is that we stand on God's grace alone, sola gratia. Today we'll look at sola scriptura, that we stand on the word of God alone. One of the many blessings that came from the Reformation was found in Luther's desire and insistence that every person be able to read the Bible for themselves. You might remember that Luther spent an awful lot of time translating the Bible into German. Well, why? Well, in the years, hundreds of years leading up to the Reformation, the ability that people had to read the Bible was almost non-existent. Bibles were written in Latin. And because they had to be hand-copied, they were extremely valuable. They were often chained in churches and in libraries so that no one could really read what the Word of God actually said. God used technology back in Martin Luther's day to bring that Word of God into the hearts and lives of people through the inventing of the printing press. As Luther translated the Bible into German, he could produce it in a way that was never possible before so that people could actually read what God said in his word. I said that's a Reformation legacy because people continue that work today. And I'm going to single out just one of those people. Um, I didn't do too well in the first service. Not too many people knew who that was in the upper right-hand corner there. If you do, you probably really pay attention to things that are going on in the world. Even if you don't know him, you may have shopped at the store that he founded. That is the owner and founder of Hobby Lobby. His name is David Green. And David Green, since 2012, has made it his life mission to get the Bible into the hands of as many people around the world as possible. He is the sponsor of the the the, the YouVersion Bible app that maybe some of you have on your phone. Do you know that that's now been translated into 1,400 languages? And David Green continues to fund more and more of those things so that people can read for themselves about the grace of God. Why? Why was Martin Luther, why are others like David Green so concerned about getting in the Bible into the hands of as many people as possible? Well, it's because of what's in that Bible, right? It's because they contained in that Bible are the words of eternal life. That's what the Apostle Paul is speaking about in our, our sermon text for today in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And so as we think about that pillar of the Reformation, standing on the word of God, we'll use Luther's words, here we stand on God's word as our theme today, noting two things. First of all, that that word of God is our source for wisdom. And then it is also our source for life. Listen again to what the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
Timothy was one of the Apostle Paul's traveling companions, particularly on his second and third mission journeys that are written in the book of Acts. And now, at this point in his life, he's serving as a pastor, a young pastor, in the city of Ephesus. And he receives this letter from the Apostle Paul. And when you read the letter, it makes pretty clear that Paul is not in a great place in his life. He's in prison, and he thinks that he's awaiting his impending execution. And so, in effect, these words in the four chapters of 2 Timothy become Paul's last will and testament written to this young pastor, Timothy. Look at what he says to him. As for you, continue. Continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. See, Paul knew that the strength for Timothy to serve in the ministry, the strength for Timothy in his own faith was found only in one place, in the teachings found in Scripture. And he reminds Timothy of the good teachers that he has had throughout his lifetime. Certainly, the Apostle Paul would have been one of those, but if you go back to the first chapter of the letter, Paul mentions his grandmother, Lois and his mother Eunice, who were very instrumental in Timothy's life at a very very early age. They started him young. From infancy, Paul says, you have known the Holy Scriptures. And that's exactly what the Greek word means. It refers to a newborn, a brand new infant. That's exactly when his mother and his grandmother thought it was a good idea to start teaching him the Scriptures. I think about all the moms and dads out there that, that maybe sing things like, Jesus loves me, this I know to their little ones. Those weren't wasted moments. That's the kind of strength that God brings to even little children through his word. And then Paul says very clearly why the scriptures are so important. How from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. This isn't a worldly wisdom. This isn't measured in IQ or experience. This is the kind of wisdom that provides salvation, saving, life beyond life in this world. And when you think in terms of eternity, it becomes very clear that this is the most important wisdom that we could possibly attain. I suppose we could take Jesus' words from the Gospels and and put a little twist on them when Jesus said this, what what good would it be for a person to be the wisest person in the world and yet forfeit their soul? And yet the devil is good at what he does, isn't he? He's so good at distracting us, isn't he? How easy it is for us to think about so many other things that seem more important to us than the one thing that gives us eternal life. How quickly we become distracted by the tasks of this life. How easy it is for us to to think about the worries and cares that are going on and and the pleasures of this life and, and forget, forget just how blessed we are to have God's holy scriptures written for our learning. And then I think, We sometimes have it backwards in our minds too, don't we? That that we think somehow that showing up at church on Sunday morning or at Wednesday worship Wednesday night or or for a Bible study or sitting down in our homes and and reading our own Bibles, that, that somehow that's something God should take notice of. That we're doing this for God. God, look, look, I'm reading the Bible. God, look, I'm coming to church. But that's really backwards, isn't it? Because it isn't about us doing something for God. 
What we get from the word of God is God bringing blessings to us as he reminds us of his great love for us in our Savior Jesus. Here's one thing that's interesting to think about. As we sit down to think about God's word, to read God's word, to hear his word, God is always more attentive to us than we could ever be to him. When I think about that, it's kind of mind-boggling, isn't it? That God is so dedicated to you and me that he wants us to have those blessings from his word. And so Paul's words to Timothy are great for us to hear this morning too. Continue in what you have learned. Keep learning. Keep growing in that word of God. Go back to the blessings that God has for you there as you see day after day God's deep love for you. You don't have to look any further than the cross, do you? That's where we see God's love for us, that he was willing to give up his own son to suffer and die for our sins and then rise again to guarantee our victory. That's something for us to cherish. Our times to to hear, to connect with God through his word, to cherish and protect. I'm guessing that many of you, like me, have dogs at home. Is your dog protective of his bone or food or something like that? Do you, do you have an issue that, that if you try and take something like that away from your dog, they probably aren't going to be too happy about it? If a dog can be so tenacious about a bone and wanting to chew that bone, isn't it stand to reason that Christians who have something far more valuable, salvation that the scriptures make us wise for, that we want to hold on to that with everything that we have? Professor uh, David Scharf from Martin Luther College tells a good story to illustrate this point. He, he says, you have to imagine with me this morning that you win a contest and, and your prize for winning this contest is you get to ke- take home with you the gourmet chef of your choosing to cook you a meal. Mm, kind of hungry. It sounds pretty good, right? And you bring the chef home and, and he tells you, nope, you don't get to do anything. Just sit back and relax. I'll take care of everything. And so you sit in your easy chair waiting for the meal to get ready. And you hear the pots and pans clanking together. You hear him chopping the vegetables, right? And then all of a sudden the aromas begin as you smell the sauces cooking and the spices and you know you're in for a treat. And then about a couple of hours before service time, he calls you into the kitchen and says, here, taste this. And on a spoon is a sample of what you're going to be eating later that evening. And you taste it. Wow, it's delicious. What do you do? Oh, that's good enough. You can pack everything up and go home. I have, I've had plenty, right? Of course not. Of course not. You look forward all the more to when the meal is actually served because you know what a treat you're in for. That's God's word to us. We've gotten to taste and see that the Lord is good when we read and hear about God's love for us in his word, that we have a hunger to come back, to hear that news again and again, knowing that the ultimate prize, the banquet, the heavenly banquet is waiting for us forever. That's what God's word does for us, makes us wise for salvation. But it also gives us wisdom for life. So the Apostle Paul writes this, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture is God-breathed. What does that mean? It's interesting that the word in the original Greek is the word that we 
get our word pneumonia from. It has to do with our wind or our breath. But it also is the word that is translated spirit. And when the adjective holy is connected to it, it becomes the Holy Spirit. It's spirit breathed, I suppose you could say, about God's word. It's exactly what Peter wrote when he said, prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but people spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's amazing to think about the Bible making this claim for itself, but it's not just an ordinary book. The Bible is verbally inspired. There's inspiration to the words that are written on the page. Yes, human beings wrote those words down, but God gave them the words that they wrote so that very accurately we call the Bible God's Word. Everything God wrote, everything that we read in that scripture is trustworthy. It's something that fills us with confidence and courage to live knowing that God's promises will never return to him empty but that his word, as we read earlier, will always accomplish what he desires and achieve the purpose for which he sent it. Paul says it a little differently to Timothy. He says the scriptures are useful. And he gives four ways, four words that demonstrate the usefulness of scripture, that it's useful for teaching. Yes, God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. Or as Paul wrote to the Romans, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. The Bible is instructive, but it also is there for rebuke. I suppose we might use the word reproof. There are times when we read scripture that we understand the truth of the words in the Bible that we've fallen short of the glory of God, that we need someone to take our place, to stand up for us. The Bible also corrects, the Apostle Paul says, it straightens out those who read it. It puts us on the right path. To an eternity with him because it trains us in righteousness, in the discipline of recognizing our sin and then seeing the grace of our God and the salvation we have in Jesus. That's why we need all of those things. We need to be reminded of our sin so that the grace of God and the cross of Jesus stands out all the more and we recognize God's great love for us. The Apostle Paul says that's what equips us. It equips us for all the things that face us in this life and it equips us for life to come. In his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That's why we stand on the word of God. There's power in that word. Power to change hearts. Power to change lives. And that word of God continues to have that force. The writer to the Hebrews said it's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word continues to be powerful and work powerfully today. It is our only source for life now and for life forever. I think sometimes that People today want to look at the Bible as a rule book, right? If I need to know how to act in a certain situation, I can just turn to the right chapter and verse and it's going to tell me exactly what God expects of me. Or maybe, maybe people look at the Bible as sort of like their life coach, right? If I, if I follow what God is saying in his word, then I can truly live my best life now. But you know there's so much more found in the Bible, 
You know that first of all, it brings to you your sure hope of eternal life because it tells you what your Savior has done for you. But then it also protects us against the devil's schemes. In a few minutes, we're going to sing Martin Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And he talks about one little word that fells Satan. That's our Savior Jesus, who already defeated him and gives us the full armor of God to put on, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. It's God who began the good work of faith in you that promises he's carrying it on to completion until Jesus comes again. Because we know that, because we know where we're going, it gives us the strength to live for God now, to live lives for God here until we live with him forever. Listen how the Apostle Paul talked about that in his second letter to the Corinthians. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus died for you and for me. He died for all. And he gives us the strength to live for him as he equips us for every good work here and for life with him forever. Some takeaways from our our sermon today. Number one, we stand on God's word because it is truly that, his inspired word. It's God-breathed. It is the very words that God wants you to hear, to know, and to believe. Number two, we stand on God's word because it is the sole source for wisdom to salvation. Wise for salvation. There's nothing more valuable than that kind of wisdom. Number three, we stand on God's word because it equips us for life here and life forever. That's God's promise to you is that there is a place waiting for you with him forever in the joy of heaven. I read this story a few years ago about a young man heading off to college and he settles into his first semester in college and oh, about halfway through the semester, he realizes he's a little bit short on funding. His cash flow has sort of dried up. I bet you there's not a single student here that can relate to that. So he makes a phone call home, right? And he says, Mom and Dad, I, I, I'm, I'm running a little short. Could you just send me a little bit of money to make, help me make it through the rest of the semester? And his parents ask him kind of a strange question. Well, have you been reading your Bible, they said. And of course, he has been really busy and so he hasn't really been reading his Bible, but he knows the answer his parents want to hear and so he says, yes, I've been reading my Bible. To which his dad answers, well, we're a little tight this month. We'll try to send you something if we can, but we can't make any promises. A week passed, nothing has shown up. So he makes that dreaded phone call to his parents again. Can you send me some money? They answer the exact same thing. Have you been reading your Bible? Read your Bible. And he hangs up frustrated and exasperated, not understanding what his parents are trying to accomplish. But in his frustration, he decides, what can it hurt? And he grabs his Bible off the shelf and opens it up. And inside that Bible are notes of encouragement from his parents and dollar bills, fives, tens, twenties, even some hundreds taped inside the Bible. Yes, all his parents wanted him to do to encourage him to read that Bible. And in one of the notes that they left him, it simply said this, we want you to use the money and enjoy using it, 
But we want you to remember that something even more valuable is found in this book. And they were right, weren't they? Isn't that exactly what Jesus was saying to Mary and Martha as as Mary sat at his feet? Mary has chosen the one needed thing. It's the most valuable thing God has given us and it's found in his word. With Luther we say, here we stand on God's word, knowing through him we are wise for salvation. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.